to Stargazing, a Stargate-gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And each week we discuss an episode of Stargate beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hello. How are you? Okay, how are you? I am good. Good. Uh, I have a puppy on my lap. You have a puppy? She was very insistent today. Aww. Hi, coconut. Bark, bark, bark. (laughs) <laughs> She's being good and quiet. We'll see if that lasts. Excellent. <laughs> don't have my act together here. I don't either. I never do. That's why we didn't do this yesterday, because I was tired. And I didn't want to leave my couch, as I mentioned. That's totally reasonable. Yeah. I, yeah, I lost track of time on my couch. Woo! So did I, but I was editing this week's episode. Ah. <laughs> Which I sound very tired <laughs> this episode. That might be me today. <laughs> I was so tired when we were recording it. I'm better now. Yay! <laughs> Good times. Yeah. Yeah. Happy Sunday. Happy we don't s- normally record on Sundays, but today is Sunday. It is Sunday. We recorded on Sunday last week also. Yes, we did. Yeah. Go us. Yep. I don't know. Go us for not being able to keep a schedule. Yay! I mean, the podcast gets out on time. That's what really matters the most. This is all my fault anyway, because I had a bad week. No, the week, week before so. that, it was my fault, <laughs> I think. Was that? I said I had a bad week, so it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. You've had a not good week. It's okay. The week before that, it was my fault, so it's all good. It's all good. Yes, we are here. Yeah. We are here! We are here! We are here! Yeah. Are you uh, Are you drinking anything to help you get through the day today? I actually have right now a Dr. Pepper Zero that I'm going nice. to pour in a glass with some maraschino cherries. Ooh. Yeah. Yummy. Because I like both of those things. Excellent. How about you? I currently have a Two Roads Road to Ruin double IPA, which is almost gone. And then I have the dregs of the moonshine eggnog, the old smoky. Oh. Tennessee moonshine version of eggnog that Colin left here a little over a week ago. <laughs> it's tasty. It was tasty. And I'm like, ooh, I'll drink that because I'm feeling festive today. Excellent. Yeah. Yay, sugar. Yay, sugar. Uh, great. I like the eggnog, too. Yeah. Besides alcohol and sugar, what are we talking about today? Today we are talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 3, mm. Episode mm. 7, Dead Man Switch. All right. I also just looked up Dead Man Switch because I didn't know what it was, and I still don't yeah. sure I understand entirely. So, <laughs> oh, I didn't look it up, yeah. and I also thought it was a weird title for the episode, but I have no idea what it means. Yeah, it's like a. I don't know why I'm having a hard time comprehending it, but like Wikipedia says, it's a switch that is designed to be activated or deactivated if the human operator becomes incapacitated, such as through death, loss of consciousness, or being bodily removed from control. Oh. I get the concept, but I still don't see what that has to do with the plot of this episode, though. I don't know. Does it have to do something with the ship when it was going on? I don't know. It was weird. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I can't think of anything in this episode that would have to do with that. No. Oh, well. It does remind me of Lost, though, but this is not Lost. No, it is not Lost. With the button that constantly has to be pushed every, like, I don't don't remember. I used to watch that show, but I don't remember how often the button needs to be pushed.
but if you don't push the button every certain amount of time that something terrible happens and I don't remember what because that show was nonsensical anyway <laughs> <laughs> such a good first season and then it all went downhill from yeah. there well i recently i in the last couple of years i did re- do a full rewatch and i liked it much better not watching it as it aired because mm. i already knew all the shit they were saying was bullshit about fair having answers to all your questions i knew that was never gonna yeah. happen so i just kind of enjoyed it as a character story instead fair. and it was much better yeah. that way it was annoying how many like open-ended things they left yeah i definitely raged especially in the, like the finale i was like what yeah. the fuck yeah but this has a lot to do with stargate anyway yes i'm sorry that <laughs> yeah it's your fault it is i am the one who <laughs> i brought like, it up i'm the one who's reading about dead man switches literally right before we're recording instead of you know days ago when i could have had time Meh. to digest this and think about it more Meh. anyway Meh. team's on a planet there's woods, shockingly. <laughs> they were very pretty woods, and they it made were. me want to visit British Columbia, which I was supposed to do, uh, and then COVID happened. <laughs> yeah, stupid. COVID. We had plans to visit in May of 2020, and then, needless to say, that did not work. Another time. Yup. Anyway, they're they're in the woods looking for their missing UAV. Do you think it's 10 miles away from the gate like the other one was? Maybe. This one, at least we don't see them ridiculously walking back and forth 10 miles each way a bunch of times. <laughs> so I guess it doesn't matter. <laughs> they haven't been able to spot it. Teal'c apparently figured it was shot down by the Gould, but Daniel says they've seen no signs of Gould civilization. Then Teal'c finds it. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> Does he always find the downed UAVs? Did he find the last one? Well, I mean, te- technically the, the weird aliens found the last That's one, I That's true. Guess. That is very true. Carter notes the UAV was hit by a staff blast. Daniel, though, finds this confusing because if the Gould were there, they'd be occupying the Stargate, and the Stargate doesn't show anything Gould-related. And then he's walking along as he's saying this, and suddenly he walks hard into a red force field, nose first. (laughs) It was very funny. I guess. (laughs) Agree. So he says he's found something. Yeah. Yeah. So they all move closer together again. And O'Neill takes the opportunity to shoot up at it to... I don't know, see if they could get through and or see what they're dealing with. So we see they are encased in this red force field. It's all around them. Shooting up like bullets at it, though, seems like a really bad idea because shouldn't they be worried about Ricochet? I I would I would guess maybe, (laughs) but maybe a Zat gun would have been a better option to shoot it with. Yeah. Well, it didn't kill anyone, so it's okay. (laughs) Sure. Okay. (laughs) And then we hear a voice, a distorted voice, not hagfishy, but distorted in a similar kind of way, mm-hmm. and telling them their weapons will not penetrate the shields. And then he comes out, there's a guy, he comes out from behind the tree and lets them know his weapons will penetrate it, though, and he does demonstrate this. He had a bit of a Mandalorian vibe to him, but a bit creepier. I actually wrote, should we call him Boba Fett through this entire thing? (laughs) 
Nice. <laughs> <laughs> or at least while he has his helmet on. Yeah. <laughs> However, his name is not Boba Fett. He says his name is Eric Bach. Perhaps you've heard of me. <laughs> and they say they have not. He tells them he's that's disappointing because he's one of the galaxy's greatest hunter. But that's not helping. And then this part reminded me of Guardians in the Galaxy. You know what? There's another name you might know me by. Star-Lord. Who? Star-Lord, man. Legendary outlaw. <laughs> oh, there's an episode of Buffy, too, where these idiot guys are banded together to be evil. And they call themselves the trio. And, and uh, the guy's always like, yeah, we're the trio. You've heard of us. And nobody's <laughs> ever heard of them. Anyway. Nice. Yeah. Um, so many tangents. Yes. <laughs> what happens when we record on a weekend. Yes. <laughs> they don't they don't recognize him, but he does know them. And then he calls out their names. But he does say that she is Captain Dr. Samantha Dr. Carter when in fact <laughs> she is Major Dr. Samantha Dr. Carter. So he needs to update his information. But he knows them all. And Jack says, well, fancy that. We're famous. Ooh. Yeah. Probably not really quite the way they want to be famous, though. <laughs> With people wanting to Infamous, kidnap you or kill yeah. you. <laughs> After we get credits, we're back in the same scene. Arisbach tells them to drop their weapons. And Jack asks, and if we don't? But we've already seen that they can't shoot out of the force field. And Arisbach can shoot into the force field. So that seemed like a stupid question any stupid stance to take to me <laughs> O'Neill's stubborn what do you want yeah i guess he figures that this must be kind of like the gold personal force field so he takes a knife and throws it at eris Bach. we did get a bit of a cool effect where the knife just stuck in the energy shield for a second and the thing flashed red around it and then the knife just falls to the ground harmlessly because it didn't make it through the shield nope. jack says you can't blame a girl for trying so, Erisbach again tells them to drop their weapons, and they do, in fact, start to take their weapons and their gear off. Erisbach says that he's sure they're thinking of escaping, but there's no point because he's disabled the Stargate dialing device, so even if they do manage to get away from him, then there's no way that they're going to get off the planet, so there's no point. He takes down the energy barrier and tells the team to follow him. They do. Yeah. They walk through the forest until they enter a clearing, and he tells them to drop the rest of their gear, since he had only had them lose their weapons before. So they start to do that. Daniel's like, could we talk about this? And Box says, inside. O'Neill's like, inside what? And then he says, Barakna! <laughs> and suddenly there is the door to a spaceship. <gasps> a gold spaceship, in fact. Indeed. This is surprising, and he orders them inside. Is Grogu in there? <laughs> Grogu might be in there. <laughs> Playing with some little handle or something. I don't know. They're probably eating some <laughs> eating. macaroons or something. Or someone's babies. <laughs> or someone's babies. <laughs> Inside, Tilk recognizes it as a ghoul old cargo transport. And this was like, you know, your traditional gold Egyptian themed. And it made me really think about the fact that like the gold are really committed to their various aesthetics that we see <laughs> from the different cultures. And so do, are they developing these cultures and bringing them to Earth? And that's how we got them. Or do these cultures develop on Earth and then the gold just appropriate them and then 
stick with them forever. <laughs> I don't think we get a clear answer on that. We don't. Yeah. But also, so thinking about that now, I'm thinking, like, does Lord use motherships look like pyramids? I like, wouldn't think that they yeah. would. I don't know, though. We haven't seen yeah. them. Right. But he has a different culture than... Right. So I think they'd be shaped like, I don't know, some... Yeah. Chinese architecture of some sort. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Tilk is confused because he thinks that this is an older ship, but he has never seen any gold ship that has cloaking technology. And Eris says that it's an upgrade. He opens the door to what seems to be a cargo hold or something like that. And he gestures for them to all go in with his gun. And then he locks the door behind them. So the team is talking inside this cargo hold and Carter, Sam has realized that he's not a gold. And Jack's like, yeah, but who cares? Why does that matter? <laughs> Tilk says it sounds like Arisbach has left the vessel. And so they figure they need to find a way out of there. But Daniel reminds them that, well, he just disabled the Stargate, so they can't go anywhere anyway. Jack is hopeful that maybe they can break out of this room at least and fly the spaceship to safety. Tilk thinks that it could probably travel at twice the speed of light, so that's pretty speedy. And Jack's like, great, home in time for dinner. Except that then Sam does the math and she's like, um, but that would actually be at least 10 years, so... Not not for dinner. And Jack says he should have let the dog out. Not for dinner tonight. <laughs> yes, dinner in 10 years. <laughs> also, does he really have a dog? And does he really not have contingency plans for when he's stuck on planets? I hope not. Right? I don't know. We don't have answers to these. It's like the unknowable question of who feeds Daniel's fish. Yes, gone. exactly. Yeah. Then we get a quick scene of Eris Bach going through the forest. He's got a big yellow wound on the back of his shoulder it's kind of glowy and yellow i said that and gross yeah. and gross <laughs> <laughs> then we are back in the ship and the team hears that eris has returned <laughs> he opens the door to the cargo room where Tilka has positioned himself to try to like ambush him but eris bog is no dummy and he knows that Tilka's is there and he's got his weapon out and tells him to back up Teal complies. And then he says that all he has to do with his gun is flinch a little bit and it will spray enough toxic gas to kill everybody in one breath. Which, that seems crazy. Wouldn't that also include him? I was, Although I guess he still had his helmet on at this point. I was wondering and wondering if the helmet would protect him from that. Yeah. But he doesn't actually kill everyone with toxic gas. Instead, he takes his helmet off. This is not the way. This is not the way. He is definitely not a Mandalorian. No. He's got, like, kind of orangey-yellow hair, and obviously his voice is no longer distorted. He asks Dr. Jackson to treat his wound. <laughs> and Daniel's like, I'm an archaeologist. And also an expert in midwifery, but that yes. doesn't help you either. <laughs> no. <laughs> and Eris is like, I know, but you're also a doctor, right? And he says, no, I'm not a real doctor. I am an archaeologist, an actual archaeologist. He lives like an ar archaeologist. He likes to play the drums. <laughs> he thinks he's getting better. <laughs> he can handle criticism. <laughs> yep, yep. Daniel clarifying this, <laughs> that he cannot actually treat his wound because archaeologists are not trained to do that. 
Eris turns to Sam and it says, Captain, you must have some medical training. And she's like, well, actually, it's major. And he's like, well, how very important. I'll inform the galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> he wants her to get over there and help him. So she gives a look at O'Neill, who gives the okay. So she heads over to treat his wound. While she's doing that, Jack goes up to him and is like, who shot you? But Eris back tells him not to get any closer. Jack's like, I'm just concerned. Before she starts treating him, why does Sam poke at the oozy part without gloves on? And also, how are her nails that perfect? <laughs> these are I had great issues questions. with both of these things. <laughs> First, you don't poke a patient in their injury site. Second, you definitely don't touch something oozing without gloves on. And third, no one's going to have nails that perfect when they do what she does. No. <laughs> Eris says that capturing them was unintentional, and he is here to capture a Go old. And Jack's like, ooh, hunting gold? <laughs> and he clarifies that he hunts anyone of value. Daniel asks who he's hunting. Eris says <laughs> the gold's name is Keltar. Daniel's like, I haven't heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> so he can't be that important <laughs> if Daniel hasn't heard of him. I just enjoyed this a lot. This whole scene just <laughs> amused me. All parts of it. Eris Puts Daniel in his place and says, contrary to popular human belief, the Earth is not the center of the galaxy. <laughs> what? But she looks like, I haven't heard of him either. Eris is like, have you met every gold? <laughs> huh? 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 <laughs> he also adds that Sokar found out that Keltar's plotting against him. So Jack naturally is like, so you work for Sokar? And he says, No. Jack lists off self-employed then, independent contractor, rogue warrior. And he sort of just, yeah, that's basically true. He just trades with the gold things of value for things he wants. He says it takes talent to get not killed, to not get <laughs> killed. <laughs> yes. Which Sam had asked him about. And Jack repeats the question in response. Daniel's like, what are you going to get for us? He's curious. <laughs> so Eric says, Eris, Eris, Eric. I'm just mushing the words, the name together. Yeah. Eris says that Teal'c is worth the most because, you know, he's a traitor and they want to make an example of him. And Sam has the memories of Jolinar and O'Neill's a pain hey, in the Micta. <laughs> and Jack is like, neck <laughs> to Teal'c? And Teal'c's like, no. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Daniel says, what about me, though? And Eris says, probably you get a day's ration. <laughs> Daniel's like, oh. Worth a lot. Jack offers to trade with him his value. <laughs> Daniel clarifies he doesn't want to know this for his own vanity, which is sort of what it sounded like <laughs> from yes. that part. But he thinks maybe they can find something of value to offer for their freedom. And Eris actually confirms that there is something that they can do for him and he wants them to help him capture the gold the gold is that how he says it right gold yeah i don't know <laughs> there's like a million pronunciations of this yeah and uh, because this 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 particular gold is twice as valuable as all of them put together Ooh. 
That's pretty Daniel great. Daniel sounds indignant at that. Yeah. <laughs> so does Jack. I know. Jack wants to know why he would need their help. Eris says he takes help wherever he can get it. And he's got this injury now. He doesn't want to waste time. Sokar might come and find him and he wants to trade him to Sokar, not have Sokar find him. So he's got to get there first. Daniel's like, how do we know we can trust you? And Eris is like, my word is good on over 2,000 planets. (laughs) They really like to use the argument on this show of you can trust me because I said so. Yeah. O'Neill points out there are billions of planets. <laughs> yes, good point. There are, in fact, a hundred billion other galaxies, each of which contains something like a hundred billion stars. But, Teal'c points out, we have no choice. Eris agrees. Yes, choiceless. I mean, we all hate the Gould, so what's the big deal? I enjoyed Daniel's open mouth face at this point. I don't know why he was just standing there like that, but yep. he was. Yep. O'Neill consents to it. And Eris tells Daniel and Jack to come with him. Teal'c and Sam are to stay behind. Jack's not really on board with that, but Eris is like, you don't have a choice. And so he takes Jack and Daniel out with him. And leaves the other two behind. Yeah. Because they have no choice. Truth. That was a long one. Yeah. It really was. Yeah. Nice job. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Out on the planet surface in the forest, Eris Bach tells them that if they trust him, then he will trust them. We see him squirting a vial of some weird blue liquid into a water bottle. Daniel asks what that is. And Eris box like, it's a drink. Wouldn't be worth mentioning if it weren't for the fact that he does this pretty constantly throughout the episode. Yeah. So Jack wants to know what the plan is for catching this gold. He says there's got to be some plan for catching Kevlar, <laughs> as he calls him. <laughs> Eris Bach corrects him. It's Keltar. And he says that Jack and Daniel are going to surrender to him. Jack does not like that plan. And neither does Daniel because he asks, uh, what if he likes to shoot first and take prisoners later? Which is... A valid question. Indeed. (laughs) And Eris Buck says, that's your problem. (laughs) Let's go. So Jack tries to argue that if this guy is the greatest bounty hunter in the galaxy, as he says he is, why can't he just catch this Gwold on his own? Why does he need their help? Eris Buck basically argues that he's still alive because he takes advantage of the resources that he can when he can, and he's crafty and... That's essentially it. Apparently he's got a few fancy toys. And Eris Bach shows them the Zet Nicotel. And Jack's like, oh, yeah. But I found a flaw in your plan. And he wants to know what that would be. And Jack's like, well, it sounds great for us to shoot him with a Zet Nicotel, as you just said we should. But we don't have one of those. You have it. We don't have it. So Eris Bach tosses it over to him. (laughs) And Jack's like, so you're just going to give me a working Zat gun? Eris says, well, it didn't work. It would not really do us any good. So I'm just going to trust you to have that. And so Jack then shoots him and they run away. (laughs) Daniel reminds Jack that he disabled the DHD. So they're going to have to try to fly away. And their plan is to try to fly to the next closest planet that has a Stargate and then try to dial home from there. They make it back to the clearing 
but they don't see the ship. They know it's there somewhere, but it's still cloaked. And they're trying to remember for a few minutes what the word was. Jack's like, it's like almond bark or bark a lounger or Beetlejuice or something like that. Daniel can't remember it either. Jack's like, well, isn't that your point for being here? You're the linguist. Why, you know, what good are you if you can't remember words? What is your purpose? I, I have a, that's, that seems a little bit off. You don't have to have a good memory for every conversation. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> anyway. exactly. Yes, and that's essentially the point that Daniel's trying to make too. He's like, doesn't mean I remember everything. <laughs> so Daniels essentially is, tries to replay the whole conversation that they had with Erisbach. And in doing so, he does remember that the word was Barukna and they see the ship door open. Jack says, Gesundheit. <laughs> and they go inside. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to take a second to let Coconut out of the room now. Oh, okay. She's being scroungy. Oh, puppy. She looked so indignant, like she was all about leaving the room. And then when I didn't follow her, she's like, wait, no, what's happening? You can't shut me out of there. But I did. Aw. Well, it's right now Pepper is very clingy. And every time I get off the couch, she's like, where are you going? She just looks at me indignantly. If I don't come back fast enough, she will get down and follow me. Coconut pretty much follows me everywhere. Yeah. Regardless. <laughs> And if I'm out of the room for more than like a minute, Lily will also come find us. Mm. They're silly puppies. They are. And adorable. They are. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Jack <laughs> shouts to Tilk and asks him how to open the door. And Tilk lets him know there are six symbols and they need to enter the correct combination of five. Jack asks Daniel, how many combinations could there be? <laughs> Daniel says, oh boy. So... That's not looking promising. Daniel keeps trying, though, as Jack asks Teal'c how to fly this thing. Teal'c says, first you must locate the main steering console, which seems like a good place to start. I I think that's pretty good. That makes sense. Yeah. But then there's this, I don't know, round-ish thing. thing? (laughs) Yeah. It's It's got flashing lights, and then there's a voice... Like a computer voice, not a human voice or a gold voice saying something in an alien language. So Jack calls Daniel over and asks what he thinks that is. Daniel says, looks like a countdown. Jack shouts back to Teal'c, do these ships have self-destruct mechanisms? And Teal'c says, yes, it's possible. So that's not great. Daniel then is staring at this thing and he goes, we just lost a digit. So that's not great. No, probably not. So Jack's probably not a good sign. Yeah, Jack starts pushing buttons again on the door panel to get out their friends, and he asks Teal'c how to override the self-destruct. Teal'c says to open the cowling in the center console, and there should be three Delmax. And Sam looks at Teal'c puzzled, and Teal'c is like crystals. That's the word, crystals. <laughs> yeah, three crystals. Daniel does this, but only finds two. So O'Neill relays back, we're missing one. And Tilk says that they cannot override the self-destruct. That sucks. Yeah. Daniel's like, we lost another digit. Eris must have the other crystal. Jack orders Daniel to go find Eris while he keeps fiddling with the panel. 
How would he have even been able to make it out there and back with the rate at which this thing is counting down, though? Well, you got me. By all accounts, it doesn't make sense. It didn't make sense, but, you know, they got to try something. True. (laughs) Out in the clearing, Eris Bach finds Daniel before Daniel finds him. (laughs) Yes. What were you guys thinking? (laughs) Gee. Yeah. Daniel tries to shoot him with whatever weapon he happens to have, but Eris is like, only I can fire that thing. And so he takes it from Daniel and they go back to the ship. Once in the ship, he tells Jack to put the weapon down because Jack's pointing his gun at him. And Jack tells him to put the crystal back. And Eris is like, oh, what if I don't, though? Jack says, you want to blow up your ship? And Eris is like, eh, maybe I will. <laughs> Jack asks, while you're in it, the countdown continues. It counts down to zero. But then nothing actually happens. So... Apparently, Eris was just fucking with all of them. (laughs) And he does, in fact, have the missing crystal. After the thing has already counted down to zero, he then puts it back in place. And he's like, all right, now we're good. He asks Jack, do you really think that I would give you a weapon that would actually work on me? He apparently didn't trust Jack nearly as much as he had claimed to. So he shoots himself with his at, and it does nothing. It's just kind of diffused over his armor. And he jokes, ooh, that tickles. (laughs) Daniel wanted to know why he pretended to be knocked out, and he basically just wanted to see them sweat and wanted to learn about them by seeing how they reacted to the situation. Jack again tries shooting him with his at gun. Why? Who knows? But clearly it still doesn't do anything. He opens the door to let Sam and Teal'c out, and he tells them that he's very disappointed in all of them because he thought they had a good thing going and that he could trust them and that he had offered them a fair deal. But Jack's like, well, no. This is crap, <laughs> essentially. And Daniel's like, we're sorry, but um, maybe that deal is still on the table. Eris Bach, of course, says, no, there's no way he can trust them now. And Jack's like, well, your plan sucked anyway. So now they need a new plan. They do. This time, Eris has taken the whole team with him into the woods. Daniel's making conversation with him. It's like, you don't have much problem trading human lives like commodities. And Eris says, oh, you earthlings and your morality, <laughs> which, again, is is a point that has come up many times. <laughs> yes, yeah. quite. Does it ever occur to you? He says that someone outside your solar system might not see things the way you do. They don't answer that. I suppose it was rhetorical. <laughs> Sam asks him, why don't the ghouls just take what they want and kill you? And he says, they don't kill me because I deliver. As long as I'm alive, there will always be a let next time. So she asks, why don't they just make you a host then? But he tells them his people cannot be made into hosts. He doesn't know why. Convenient. Yeah. Also unfortunate because he also tells Sam that they wiped out most of his people because of that. (laughs) Yeah. got that part. (laughs) Oops. (laughs) Maybe not so convenient. Not so convenient. Eris says that he was not killed because he managed to impress them. His people have always been strong and skilled. Do you think he did like some juggling or a magic act? Maybe. That would impress me. Yeah. But he says the gold kept the youngest of his people as slaves and killed the rest. Yeah. Yeah. Daniel's like, you could probably go somewhere where the gold can't find you. But Eris says that the gold killed his wife, but his son is still alive and is a slave in Sokar's Naquita mines. So he's hoping 
to capture a prize valuable enough to trade for his freedom as well as his own. Aw, sob story. Oh. Poor Erisbach. Mm. I know. He's technically free, though, so. <laughs> yes, he is. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Elsewhere in the forest, Jack is playing with Erisbach's helmet and looking around, and he's like, oh, this thing's cool. Jack asks about the fancy toys that Keltar supposedly has to protect himself. And Eris says that at the very least, when he last approached this, the cave, energy blasts fired at him from several directions. And Jack thinks that maybe it's another Zat gun, but there aren't actually people there to fire other Zat guns, so it's something else. Eris gives them Zat guns so that they can go and shoot the gold if necessary. He is apparently going to try trusting them with weapons again, although I guess we've already seen that they're not going to work on him mm-hmm. anyway. So he sends them down and says that Dr. Samantha, Major Dr. Samantha, Dr. Carter is going to stay with him while they go in. Jack, Daniel, and Teal go down and try to catch Keltar. Jack's like, nah, that's not going to happen. But Eris tells them that that's not negotiable because he needs to have some leverage to make sure that they are going to return. And that leverage is going to be Sam. Yay. Yeah. Lucky her. Yes. Teal'c, Daniel, and Jack have made their way a little bit closer to this cave. Jack wants to know from Teal'c, how can the gold fire weapons from several directions? Teal'c says tax. <laughs> and Jack's like, technicatels. <laughs> I just laughed so much at that. <laughs> I mean, it's a fair guess on his it part. It is. <laughs> oh, but Teal'c, Teal'c pronounces a very long thing that I'm not going to try to pronounce. Fair. So they just go back to tax. Yep. These are some automatic weapons that should fire presumably at motions. Jack tries to throw a rock. Nothing happens. So they think it must be heat seeking. So he pulls out a flare, lights it and tosses it. And then there's a bunch of fire. (laughs) These guys are apparently great at watching where what direction it was coming from and they zap right? all of the the tax they zap the tax yeah. which by the way are more magic eight balls they totally yeah. are <laughs> yeah <laughs> they move in Tilk throws a smoke bomb into the cave jack throws attack i don't know why i guess they were just checking on them to make sure they were really deactivated i don't know yeah i don't know i didn't really get that either yeah they managed to smoke out their person he is looking pretty wounded but he does have some sparkle bling he tries to shoot at them but teal ducks and jack runs up and points the zat at him and tells him to put his hand down and he kind of collapses at this point and recognizes that Tilk is the Shova in a non-resting hagfish voice. So he's speaking <laughs> in a normal human voice. And he also identifies the rest of them as SG-1 from Earth. He introduces himself as Korra, which is not the name that Eris Bach told them. And he asks for their help because he's Tokra. Oh, shit. <gasps> yeah. Back somewhere else in the forest, wherever Eris has taken Carter to... He asks, I don't have to tie you or anything unpleasant like that. And she says, no, that he does not. So they're just going to try to watch what's happening down at the cave. Carter wants to know how, since they're not actually within eye shot of what's happening. 
but Eris has a scanner of some sort that he clips to his arm. Sam recognizes that this thing traces Nakwita, so it's actually tracing the Zat guns more so than it is tracing SG-1. And she says, ah, so that's how you track the Goulds. And he agrees. That is, in fact, how he tracks the Goulds. He tracks their Nakwita rather than the people themselves. Sam is trying to convert him over to their side since he is also not a fan of the Gould, and since his race rejects Gould symbiotes, she thinks that he would be very valuable to humans and that maybe they could find some sort of mutually beneficial agreement. But Aerosbach reminds her he really doesn't understand the immunity that they have and he is not willing to let himself undergo the tests that <laughs> Sam says she wants to run on him, which can't really blame him for that. No. He basically says that they don't have anything worth trading for that would make it worthwhile for him to go back and do those tests. And she's like, well, what about your son? If he's actually a slave, then maybe you can come and uh, we can do some tests and then we can help you go get him. But he says that that is impossible. And he takes another swig from his water full of blue Gatorade stuff. There's the juice. Yummy. Mmm. Mouthwash. Whatever it is. I feel like blue Gatorade is probably closer to what it is than hopefully not tasting like mouthwash. Yeah, that'd be gross. Yeah. I mean, a little mouthwash, okay, but he's not drinking that stuff. Yeah. It's not healthy to drink. No. No. As I tell my students frequently in bio, antiseptics are okay to use on tissues, but they are not meant to be taken internally. (laughs) It's sad that you have to tell people that. It really is. And also, I have to specify that disinfectants are not safe to be used on tissues either. And this all came from a certain politician telling uh-huh. everybody that they should maybe just <laughs> inject bleach into themselves. Uh-huh. So, yeah, now these are the things I have to tell my students. It's really unfortunate. <laughs> it really is. Yep. Anyway, that's beside the point. Continue. <laughs> Back over by Cora's Cave of Wonder. <laughs> Teal'c is letting Jack know he's got some severe injuries, not Teal'c, Cora. And so they are going to ask Cora some questions. But to prompt this, he's like, okay, there's a guy out there. And Cora already knows about him. He knows his name, Eris Bach. Everybody knows a lot of stuff today. Yeah, everyone knows everything. Except for SG-1. Who know nothing. But, (laughs) yep. Jack tells him they're trapped on the planet. He's got Major Dr. Samantha, Dr. Carter being held hostage, which Cora also knows of her, daughter of Jacob, host to Selmac. He also seems kind of smug that he knows all this stuff, but that's okay. He does have resting smug face. I noticed that for sure. That might just be a a hagfish thing, maybe. I don't know. Could be. Although Jacob doesn't seem very smug. Well, well, he kind of—he I mean, yeah. like was a super smug human before. Oh though, yeah, so. he was a total dick. <laughs> so maybe just like by comparison, he's less smug than he <laughs> maybe. Had been, so he doesn't seem so smug. <laughs> so the plan he tells Cora is that they're to catch him, and then he gets to go free. Cora says they will not allow themselves to be turned over to Sokar. Jack would like some proof. He's a Tokra. He says, "I only have my word," which. For most people, it seems good enough. So, like, I say it's fine. But he also says Sam would probably recognize him. Yeah. Jack's like, as far as I'm concerned, you could be a gould using the old I'm a Tokra thing to get us to help you. <laughs> I enjoyed his air quotes. That's why yes. I'm including that. Cora asks what Eris told them about him. And Daniel says just that he was Keltar and an enemy of Sokar, 
Cora explains he was actually a spy in Sokar's ranks. He thinks Sokar had found his identity, so he escaped, stealing a cargo ship. So that ship is not actually Eris Box, it is Cora's, apparently. And Eris Bach, though, is very talented. He was already there waiting for Cora. Yeah, yeah. I also like that in this scene, we get a new pronunciation for Gua'uld because Cora calls them Gau'uld. Yes. <laughs> so and I do many... believe that is a pronunciation we have not had before. I don't think so. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Then we get a hard cut back to the same forest. But we are now with Arisbach and Sam again. He asks her what it was like to have one of those things bore itself into your brain. And she says that yeah, she couldn't really tell him because he wouldn't understand. And he's like, well, they're all the same, the Tok'ra and the Gold. And she seems incensed that he actually think- thinks that, even though they had all thought the same thing initially. And so she tries to convince him of the difference between the two types of hagfish, but he doesn't really seem all that convinced because he wasn't good at school anyway, even though that's irrelevant. Yeah. That doesn't mean that you can't learn things, but maybe he doesn't want to learn things, and that does mean that you can't learn things. Yes. Carter's still trying to convince him that they should try to defeat the Gua'uld rather than turning over Keltar to the Gua'uld or turning SG-1 over to the Gua'uld or any other alternative that involves anyone being turned <laughs> over to Sokar. Eris Bach starts laughing and Sam wants to know why that's so funny. He basically just says that she's being ridiculous, admirable, but ridiculous for thinking that they could possibly defeat the Gua'uld or rescue his son or do anything to oppose any of the Gua'uld, essentially. Sam says, you know what? I think, despite all your protesting, that you actually do care, and I don't think that you like what you're actually doing, but you're just doing it anyway. And he thinks that she should shut up. So he points his gun at her, but she notices that his hand is shaking. He takes out another vial and puts more of the blue stuff in it. She asks again what that is, and he says that it's water. And she's like, yeah, but what did you just put in it? Clearly not just water. And he says, oh, it's flavor. Yeah. Do you know something I don't want to learn and therefore I'm incapable of learning? <laughs> What's that? Who wins the Super Bowl every year? <laughs> Sometimes I even hear it, and, but I just don't maintain that information. It just goes right out because I don't care. That's fair. Yeah. I'm too busy paying attention to the Puppy Bowl every year to have any <laughs> idea what's going on with the Super Love Bowl. Love the Puppy Bowl. The Puppy Bowl is so great. It's your puppies. Who's so many puppies. puppies. Yeah. You know, it's really hard for me to find a puppy to get for my sister and her family for Christmas. Just saying. Is that what you're trying to do? I am. Oh, wow. <laughs> With my sister's consent. Okay. And I, it's like I was impossible. just going to say that. Oh, that's unfortunate. It is. I mean, it's good that puppies are finding homes, but yeah. I feel bad that it's so hard to find one for them. Aw. Yeah. Well, I hope you have good luck in your quest for the next week. Me too. <laughs> Running out of time. Curses. Right. Can you get them a placeholder stuffed dog? They have so many stuffed animals. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but this would be the special one that represents an actual dog to be determined. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Anyway. I suppose we should talk about Stargate. <laughs> I guess. Fine. So we head back to Cora's cave. That's K-O-R-R-A-K-A-V-E. Yeah. Chorus Cave. 
<laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Cora is informing them that Eris is a big fat liar. He's never been married, nor does he have any children. Daniel asks why he does this. O'Neill's like, greed. And Cora says, actually, not, not exactly that his race was mostly killed off by the gold, and the ones that were kept alive were addicted to a substance called Roshna. Cool. Yeah. That over the generations has become a thing that they need in order to live. This reminded me of the episode, and I don't know episode names, of TNG that I just watched where the people from one planet have gotten the people of another planet addicted to a narcotic that they're calling medicine. And then there's a whole big diplomatic thing. Ah. It's not that exciting. But I just watched the episode nice. like the day before I watched this episode. I'm sure somebody knows what I'm talking about out there. I guess I just don't understand. Wesley, I hope you never do. It's similar, too, to the DS9 race that the founders have addicted to the Ketracel White. Yeah. Yeah. I can't I remember, remember the name of them either, but God. I know who you're talking yeah. about. Okay. We go into battle to reclaim our lives. This we do gladly, for we are Jimada. But anyway, that's great. All wonderful yeah. stuff. Good times. The ghouls are full of morality. Yep. Yeah. So that's what the blue juice is. Mm-hmm. It's keeping Eris back alive. Daniel's like, whatever the reason, he has no choice. Cora says this isn't a defense of him because Eris Bach has done terrible things. He's unscrupulous and indiscriminate in his bounty hunting. So he's not a great guy. And Jack's like, we gotta get Carter away from him. And Cora's like, does this mean you believe me? And Jack's like, mm, not yet, but getting that choiceless feeling all over again. Cora again or again, I think he already said this, that he cannot be turned over to Sokar. Yeah. He, he'll he'll extract information and other Tok'ra will be compromised. That would suck. Yep. So they uh, get Korra up and they're going to take him with them. But before they leave, Korra does tell them they have to leave their weapons behind because he also knows that Eris can track them that way. And I enjoyed this too because... Jack takes the zats and sort of drops them, but Daniel gingerly puts down the sparkle bling, and I just enjoyed that. Yeah. yeah. I noticed that he really seemed to not want to put it down. Yeah. He seemed very reluctant. Oh. And yes, did carefully place yeah. it down on top of the zat guns. Yeah. <laughs> Back with Sam and Eris Bach. Eris is very angry because all of a sudden they're not moving. So he says that either the gold got them or they are not playing by the rules. And Sam's like, what the hell does that mean? And so he shoots her. <laughs> so that sucks. Sure does. Uh, she falls over. And he almost looks like he feels bad about it. But then he just walks over her and walks away. <laughs> so the rest of the team and Cora find this place where Sam happens to be laying unconscious on the ground. Jack realizes that it's a trap. It's a trap! Tilk and Jack both argue about who should try to go up and get the unconscious Sam. Jack asks if Tilk could take Eris Bach. And Tilk's like, I can. Of course he can. He's Tilk. Of course he can. He's awesome. He could take anybody. Yeah. No question. So Jack's like, all right. And he goes up, leaving Tilk hiding with Daniel and the others. The other. Not others. Hmm. There's only one other. 
and it is the toker guy. So <laughs> Jack goes up to Carter and tries to wake her up. He's whispering her name. She starts to come around and he asks her where Eris Bach is. And all of a sudden his cargo ship rises up over the ledge and he like gives them that little like tisk tisk finger gesture. <laughs> Tilk, Daniel, and Cora manage to get away into the forest, but that still does leave Sam and Jack there in the clearing in front of the ship. Yeah. How does that work, do you think? How does he, I don't how does know. he pick them up and how does he yeah. make them do that? Like <laughs> I was also wondering that because yeah, <laughs> there was definitely nowhere for him to land. Yeah. But however he did it, maybe there are rings. Could he have ringed mm. him out of there? I don't know. Yes. There must have been rings. They just happen to be in the exact right spot for those rings. Yes, exactly. As is always the case. (laughs) (laughs) However it happened, though, they end up his prisoner again. And the next time we see them, they are locked in that room again on the ship, the cargo room. Yes. O'Neill is waving his hat (laughs) in front of (laughs) Carter, who is unconscious again. He gets tired of that, though, and he gives her a little... uh, Wake up, grab her face. So then she wakes up and asks what she missed. And Jack says, not too much, but by the way, that gold, he's actually a toker named Cora, he says. Do you, do you recognize it? Every time I hear the name Cora, I just think of the wicked witch's mother from once. In a native land, she goes by Cora. In this land, she goes by your majesty. Oh wow! <laughs> so I just keep I just keep picturing that lady whenever we talk about Cora. <laughs> oh man, now I'm gonna very do different that too. Person. Yes, <laughs> yes, indeed. Yep. Carter recognizes the name, and she says, "We cannot let Eris trade a Tokra." <laughs> Yay! More beer happened. Yay! Yay! Just in time. I finished my other beer. Did you get a delivery, a special delivery? I got a delivery of beer. That's amazing. From the best person. What have you got now? Dogfish had 90 minutes. Ooh. Mm. Apparently, Eris Bach has also managed to capture everyone else because <laughs> the door opens and he ushers Tilk, Daniel, and Cora <laughs> in with Jack and Sam. Jack's like, way to play hard to get, boys. <laughs> Eris <laughs> is like, give me a little credit, okay? Eris tells them that he is keeping up his end of the agreement and they are free to go. Sam says, there has to be another way. If you take Korra, it might kill a lot of Tokra. Eris is like, well, I already told Silkar about this and one of his ships is going to be entering mo- orbit any moment. Korra says, declares, I will not betray the lives of other Tok'ra. And then Eris shoots him with the same weapon he shot Carter with before. <laughs> Their pose while they're being shot is so comical. Uh, it really is. I didn't actually notice Sam's, but I for sure noticed yeah, Korra's. His was, his was way <laughs> more. Yeah. <laughs> Very weird and melodramatic. So, <laughs> I feel like Korra's mistake right here was declaring that because Eris Bach pulls out some sort of, I don't know, was it a pill or capsule or tooth i don't know yeah yeah it's like the thing that ryak had yeah i think something like that but anyway he pulls it out of the unconscious cora's mouth 
And apparently he was going to poison himself, which again, if he had not said that, he probably could have just done silently. But that's okay. He's still alive, so cool. But I mean, at least it served the, yeah. seems to have served the purpose of changing Eris' mind about yeah, cause... Korra. And... <laughs> also, Korra has quite the speaking voice. Yeah, Did you that? yeah. I will not betray the lives of other Tok'ra. I want him to come read me bedtime stories. It would be nice. Yeah. yeah. So Eris Bach is like, that's very ungold. Like, why would he do that? And Sam says, to save the lives of other Tok'ra. And he says, since when does a gold care about another gold? And she's like, duh, we've talked about this. <laughs> They're not the same. Well, uh, but Eris points out, so- Sokar is on his way and he's got to give him something. Teal'c offers to go in Korra's place. Jack's oh, like, no, but Teal'c's like, yeah, no, I've already decided too bad. I'm the most valuable next to the Tok'ra. It's quite the gesture yes, on Teal'c's he's part. he's very noble. He is noble. Eris Bach goes to deal with a beeping noise in the front of the ship. <laughs> he says that'll be Sokar. The rest of them all just stare at Teal'c. And then he says something about brief moment of weakness, which I didn't understand why he said that, but then he tells Teal'c to come with him. Uh, yeah, I don't really know either. Was that because he walked away without like closing the door? I don't know. Anyway, he gives Carter the DHD missing piece to get them home. He says, last chance to take the choker and get out. But Teal'c's like, I'm going. We are choiceless. Jack's like, we'll find you. And Eris back is like, oh, this is so beautiful. I mean, I'm starting to tear up here, you know. <laughs> so he's going to go. He's taking Teal'c with him. Yep. Yeah. 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 Out on the planet surface, we see Jack, Sam, and Cora and Daniel making their way towards the gate as the cargo ship takes off. Inside the cargo ship, Tilk is sitting next to Eris back. And that's that scene. Yep. <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> I'm like, is there more to that scene? Nope, yep, that's, that's that scene. It. Okay. <laughs> back in the clearing, we continue to see the ship taking off. Cora wakes up and asks them what happened. Because he was still unconscious from when he was shot before. They tell Cora of Tilk's sacrifice and about how they are going to go and get themselves out of there, back to the gate. Inside the cargo ship, Eris Bach tells Tilk that it's pretty noble what he's doing there. Tilk says that uh, Eris Bach has made a sacrifice too. And Eris Bach reiterates the common misconception that he hadn't realized that the Tok'ra were different from the gold. He asks Tilk what made him betray Apophis, and Tilk tells him a little bit of the story of how his world was enslaved, but humans value freedom, and so he wants to try to free his people. And Eris is like, well, do you really think that the Tok'ra and the humans actually have a chance to overthrow the gold? Tilk says he does. Eris says he doesn't think so. But Tilk says that he'd rather serve those willing to die trying than continue serving the gold. Eris is a little bit pensive there for a second, and he's like, you know, I don't really want to do this. I hate the gold too. And that's yeah. that scene. Do you like Tilk's side eye looking at him in that moment? I, just, I love everything just, Tilk does. Yeah. Almost. Except for when he like gets angry at his wife and calls her woman. Yeah. Yeah. There's that. But yeah. yeah. Also he dad shames, but that's okay. Also, yeah. That was <laughs> but otherwise, that was a bit annoying too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I, I like most things he does. I don't yeah. like everything he does. <laughs> yeah. 
That's fair. How can you yeah. like everything someone does? That just this yeah. yeah. That's a good point. I was gonna say I like everything Coconut does, but no, that's very not true. <laughs> <laughs> she does a lot of things that I hate. So never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Even though she's one of my favorite people. Yeah. Outside the rest of them, SG three quarters plus Cora, uh are making their way when they see yeah. an explosion in the sky. Yeah. And then we see two lines of smoke zip away from the explosion. So the ship exploded and Cora says those are escape pods. They head towards them. Yeah. They find Eris climbing out of his pod and Jack wants to know where Tilk is. Tilk's great. Tilk's all the way out of his pod and here already and tells Jack he's here, O'Neill. And Jack's like, yes. It was really funny. Like, he was very happy. I don't know. It was like, yes. yeah. It was very yeah. cute. I enjoyed it. Sam asks, what happened? Eris says he told Sokar he had some technical difficulties just after he accidentally removed the crystal from the self-destruct machine. <laughs> I guess it was for real self-destruct this yeah. time and not fake self-destruct. Was it a different crystal? I don't know. What differentiated it from the fake self-destruct earlier? I don't know. <laughs> Jack then rips it out of his hands, which was super weird. And yeah. I didn't understand that. But okay. Yeah. It's not like it's going to self-destruct anything now. Jeez, man. Right. Yeah. He. Uh, yeah. Maybe he thought it was pretty. I don't know. Maybe. Crystals are pretty. I like yeah. them. So they're happy. Teal'c is back. Korra needs to find a way to pay tribute for what he's done for the Tok'ra. Teal'c's like, no need. And Eris Bog is like, but what about me? Don't I get a thank you? <laughs> Carter's like, for doing the right thing for a change. Which he calls a backhanded show of appreciation, but he will take it. <laughs> and he says, hopefully Sokar thinks he's dead. And by the time he figures out, Eris Bach will be long gone. Carter asks about the Roshna. What he's going to do about that. And he says, there are plenty of gold out there he can still trade with. And then... Just as they're about to leave, Eris tells Daniel, I was lying to you. Your price on your head is much more than a day's rations, and the ghouls really want to see you dead as much as anyone for figuring out the Stargate. <laughs> and Daniel says, thank you. That doesn't actually make me feel any better. <laughs> it's just... Yeah, and, it was great. Yeah. Great scene. And at this point, I decided <laughs> I needed to tell you that I like Daniel's hair in this one. Oh, uh, yeah? Yeah. It was, I didn't really notice. I don't, it wasn't particularly different, but it seemed a little bit different from some of his, the way it's styled normally. I don't know. Fair. I liked it. Yeah. Anyway. As I mentioned last time, I think Sam's hair is extra good in this season. Yeah. 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 So then, then Eris gives Sam some Roshna and says, maybe someday you'll figure out how to save the rest of my people and that would be something worth trading for yeah they can reverse engineer that gatorade mouthwash yeah yeah so they head away Tilk stops for a second gives eris a nod and eris seems very pleased with himself <laughs> as the episode ends <laughs> yeah yeah kathy yeah did you like this episode i actually did quite a lot I like Eris Bach a lot. He's a terrible person, but like also oh, yeah. he's very entertaining. And I think that he was a good 
person to interact with SG-1. I'm sad to say that I already know we won't be seeing him again, I'm pretty sure. I don't recall him ever coming back. Yeah, not that I remember. That doesn't necessarily mean much, though, because my memory sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, fair. But I like that, and I liked him so much that it just made the episode fun. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, I did like it a lot. I thought that the scripting in this one was great, and there were a lot of funny lines and very entertaining things. I did like his character, even though like he starts off kind of unlikable. He obviously has a redeeming story arc. As I mentioned, I really enjoyed Cora's speaking voice. So every time that he had lines, I was like, "Yes, just please, please talk more. Just love your voice. Talk to me more." (laughs) So I liked Cora as a character. I like Eris Bach's character, and it was funny and amusing. I just thought. All around, it was a good episode. I liked the last episode that we watched, as I said, but it it had a lot of heavy parts, especially with the story between Dr. Carter and losing Jack and then wanting to rely on alternate Jack. So I felt like it was a nice lighthearted change of pace from that episode, which had a lot of heaviness to it, which I was editing earlier today. So that like makes it especially (laughs) prominent in my mind, that storyline. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So what's next? Uh, Next, we will be watching Stargate SG-1 Season 3, Episode 8, Demons. Netflix says, SG-1 arrives at a village and frees Mary, a woman who's been tied to a stake. Me? Wait, what? It might be you. (laughs) And just so you know... I do not recall ever being tied to a stake. Am I going to be tied to a stake? I have no plans to do that to you, but you never know. I mean, someone out there might be tying you to a stake. And to be clear, it is an S-T-A-K-E, not an S-T-E-A-K. I was going to ask, is it an S-T-E-A-K? Because that would be great. I mean, I'm trying to eat more vegetarian lately, but I would not be upset by that if it was an (laughs) S-T-E-A-K. They learned that... She's a sacrifice or a demon that plagues the village. So sucks Damn to be it, no. you. <laughs> I don't approve. <laughs> Everything's the worst. God damn it. I know. Oops. Sucks to be me. Let me find the booklet here. The booklet says SG-1 encounters a medieval civilization and frees a woman tied to a stake as a sacrifice to a demon. With the woman freed, the demon vows to destroy the village unless the SG-1 team is offered up in appeasement. I'm surprised it didn't say, will O'Neill be able to save them all? <laughs> but it doesn't. This one's not O'Neill-centric, I guess. That is that is surprising. Yeah. It almost always is. Yeah. yeah. All right. Interesting. I feel a bit doomed, but <laughs> also intrigued. <laughs> I think that's the best we can hope out of life, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> As always, thanks for listening. If you haven't already done so, make sure that you subscribe to us so that you can get our episodes every Monday when they are released. Or you can also find us on YouTube. And we love reviews and likes because, first of all, we love to hear from our listeners who are awesome. And also, we love when people are told how awesome we are. (laughs) And word of mouth is also appreciated. So if you're enjoying the show, which I would hope you wouldn't be listening if you aren't. So if you're enjoying the show, please tell your friends so that they will start listening too. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at stargatesing at gmail.com. You can reach us on Twitter or at Instagram. We're at stargatesing at both of those. You can reach us through our website, which is stargatesing.space. And if you're feeling generous, you can contribute to the show at patreon.com slash stargatesing. And you can also message us through that platform. 
And we are still running our deal where if you are interested only in getting access to the Stargate Origins episode, if you want to do a $15 or more one-time donation rather than doing a regular scheduled donation like they do on Patreon, uh, you can donate to us at stargatesing at gmail.com through PayPal, and you will get access to our Stargate Origins episodes. I'm Mary. I'm Kathy. <laughs> and you've been listening to Stargatesing the end. The end. Oops. <laughs> what just fell over? <laughs> I don't know. I can't see it. I'm going to take a second to let Coconut out of the room now. Oh, okay. She's being scroungy. Oh, puppy. hoping that would be long enough for Mary to be back, but I don't have that capacity, apparently. I'm back. Welcome 